This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Thanks for listening to the Lakers Fast Break Podcast, part of the Hoopheads Podcast Network. Check out all their awesome basketball shows today at hoopheadspod.com. Fast Break Podcast. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from Lakers Fast Break. Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports, Fantasy Football, and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you can, please give us that five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. But you know what? You guys wanted Melinda to be on the show. She said, no, no, no. You pop over to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Go ahead and check out what we're doing today as we talk the latest news and trends in pop culture right there for you at the Pop Culture Cosmos on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. There you will see Melinda Barkhouse-Ross, Josh Peterson, TJ Johnson, and all the crew talking about the latest stuff going on with the Pop Culture Cosmos. Plus, if you could like, share, subscribe, and congratulations to everyone out there Thank you so much. Big hand to you. We've got 500 subscribers. That's 500, 500 subscribers on YouTube. On our way up, on our way going to 1,000. That's right. And we're trying to think of something really special for you out there if we get to 1,000. So, yes, we're, we're, we've got it in the works. We're trying to think about it. So we're on our way, but we cannot thank you enough for supporting us. And if you haven't yet subscribed, please do so so you can get the latest notifications on when we, when we, that's right, go on the air each and every time out right here at the Lakers Fast Break. Also as well, check out Simblades, Mr. Simblades himself, Joe Soro. I don't think he's coming on tonight. He said he wasn't going to make it, but he is in the chat. So go ahead and check out Ox1947 today at LakersBall.com here in the chat. Or if you want your lawn transformed into something much more magical than it is today, the reason probably why he is not coming on tonight is Simblades, all the business he's doing at Simblades, Simblades with a Y.com. Our good friends, the number one Laker blogger that's out there, that's Laker Tom. Go ahead and check out what he's doing today at Lakerholics.com. Plus, of course, Jamie Sweet, those five things, articles right there for you at Lakerholics.com. Be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com. Plus, our good friends at Hoopheads Podcast Network. And if you could support all of that, it is sincerely appreciated. Yes, we are back again. I did accidentally hit a button on the Pop Culture Cosmos site. See, Sean? I told you it happens to me too. I was trying to set up for both the Pop Culture Cosmos. So I was already in, you know, doing live and setting up for today's awesome show here at the Lakers Fast Break. And all it takes is one button and boom! Yes, you screw up both. So 
Yes. <laughs> even, even the great ones can have their off days indeed. But it is the Lakers fast break. We will be talking later in the show about the anniversary of a maybe what was once thought of as a unreachable record. We'll see if we could talk about that as far as if it is unreachable or if somebody may reach that record, plus Kobe's 81-point game. That's coming up on the back end of the episode, plus the Wild Western Conference. We're going to be talking about that. But first, it is an update on LeBron James and his injury. Here today to talk a little bit about that, the effect it has, and maybe when we can see a timeline of him back on the court. Good man indeed. He's the magic man in the morning, the guy who just can't get out of Toronto traffic. He is the madman for Toronto. It is the magic man, Sean Grice, the guy who's snoveling show or shoveling snow in Toronto. It is a good friend indeed. How you doing, my friend? How's everything going? And thanks for your patience while I was playing around with the keyboard way too much. Well, I have to say, Gerald, it's a, it's a pleasure to be on again. And um, I just have to say, like you said, the great ones, the great ones can have an off day too. So the fact that happened to you makes me feel better about what happened yesterday. I hu- we're always humbled by our our next mistake, aren't we? Maybe I planned it that way. No, no, yes, I <laughs> no, no, no. Actually, but, no. It's uh, something that I I did, and you know what? We move on. But I will say, we thank move you. on. Yes, we thank so much, everybody, for watching and listening to us here at the Lakers Fast Break. I do want to mention, though, that LeBron James, there was a little bit more clarification today. Dave McMenamin wrote a story on ESPN.com saying that LeBron James suffered a tendon injury in his right foot in that game against the Dallas Mavericks on Sunday. And he's going to be reevaluated in about three weeks, which I know isn't the kind of time frame you were hoping to hear. But it is probably what we were talking about when we initially heard the word weeks with Adrian Moshinowski. I know people are saying we were overstating it. People were saying, you know, okay, just get the facts. But, you know, you kind of got the feeling it was not good when he said he heard something pop. And that was not a good sign. But your thoughts on LeBron James, the tendon injury to his foot. And after three weeks, do you think it's even a possibility he will be coming back this season? That was a, a, a little concerning for me. You know, having having been in a relationship with someone who's a physical therapist, you just tend to, to learn new knowledge and understanding of the anatomy of the body and how it works. And there was a situation in uh, the 2020 finals where uh, Goran Dragic suffered uh, a similar injury. And uh, we were watching the game, and my girlfriend at the time said, oh, and then the medical report came back and Chris Haynes, who was doing uh sideline reporting had uh, said that uh, Dragic said he heard something pop as well. And as we know, he, he did not play uh, until game six of the finals. And as you saw Gerald, he was not the same player. He didn't have the same vim and vigor that he normally plays with. Dragic is normally an up-tempo, aggressive player, even though he, you know, he he was in his mid-thirties at that point. But it just changed the way he played the game. And uh, three weeks is very optimistic. But LeBron James, <laughs> you know, Gerald, for for all the flack that that uh, some guys take about load management and that, 
LeBron's just truly showed how much of a warrior he's been on the court. Uh, I, I can't recall how many times I've seen him and you have roll his ankle. You know, he'd be in his mid twenties or late twenties and he would just get up, retie a shoe and move on. And, you know, at 38, it, it's not like that anymore, Gerald. And, um, it's difficult, right? Because, he is putting himself through so much pain and that's i think what was emphasized the most through the reporting i read with uh mcten uh chris haynes and uh, shams uh that they they just want his his pain threshold to go down here where it could be at a tolerable level and uh, obviously for some time he was play he was playing on it and it must have been like his the bottom of his feet drilled must have been like hot coals. It's not really good at all for him. He must have been going through quite a bit for that last stretch in the fourth quarter. I'm hoping that it's not as serious as it sounds. There's a very real possibility he will be shut down for the rest of the season. So I am very concerned that that could be the case. But obviously his long-term health is first and foremost, as much as we would like to see him back on the court. I think that you got to err on the side of good judgment and realize, hey, even though it could be an injury that he may not be able to damage much more than it already is, or that surgery might be required, I still think that if it's somewhere where you could damage it even more, it's not worth the price you pay as far as him having an extended absence that would lead into next season. No, absolutely, Gerald. This type of injury, you know, people need to think of it almost as if it's a bridge between the heel and the toes. That's what was interesting to me is that uh, I saw a lot of Laker fans uh, after that happened saying, well, he's, they're looking at his ankle. I really didn't see them looking at his ankle. It was more his heel. I, I thought you would know the yeah, same thing as well. Yeah, it's on the bottom of the foot. Yeah. Yeah, so it, was, it, it, it could easily have been confused for the two, but that's where the focus was. Um... Yeah, we just got to hope that the healing process takes its course here because, unfortunately, you know, when you're 38, even though you're LeBron James, I'm 38 as well, it's going to take a little longer to heal when when one of us gets an injury than when we were 28. It's just the natural part of the, the healing process. And uh, hopefully, the you know, he can come back before the regular season is over because this is very reminiscent of two years ago when uh, one of the infamous uh, villains of Laker lore, Solomon Hill, decided to roll over on LeBron. Uh, we all remember that, Gerald, during that, I believe it was a Saturday afternoon game. Yeah. And yes, so this is very eerily similar to that. And at that time, LeBron was able to come back, and with a flurry of victories at the end, he got us. He got us into the plan. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, this needs to either be a sequel, or like you said, Gerald Anthony Davis needs to take control of this team and just will them to victory, because they need to keep winning while he's out. Not every game. But you need to win at least, you know, two out of three, three out of four of the games you do play. That's what's vital. That is what's vital. And I'm hoping that, again, he can come back and help out the Lakers. But 
not at the cost of what it could do to his future if they think at all possible that it might lead to that. So we'll see. We'll see. I'm sure we'll get more updates. And as we get them, we will go ahead and provide them for you here at the Lakers Fast Break. But the Lakers, after last night's victory at OKC, uh, things are looking a little bit better. OKC, I think, after realizing they've lost five in a row, maybe they are going to start into tank mode because they do not have SGA in the lineup. So maybe that eliminates one contender for the play-in. Sean, Portland is still battling hard. They did manage to choke in the game that we were watching after we went off the year. They managed to choke a lead in the fourth quarter. That game against New Orleans. New Orleans yep. pulled out the victory. Again, Portland choked really hard. I want to go ahead and mention, though, that the West itself is really, 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 really up for grabs right now. The Lakers at 30 and 33, one game out of the play-in, one game behind the New Orleans Pelicans, still have a great chance by the end of the weekend to find themselves in the play-in mix and maybe even possibly be tied or pass the New Orleans Pelicans. I know that you said that it's a fixation amongst myself and Joe but I'm going to put it to you in simple terms like this, my friend. When it comes to the Western Conference, which will go here in more detail in a second, when it comes to New Orleans, if we tie or surpass New Orleans, that tells me, Magic Man, when it comes to New Orleans being a fixation for Joe and I, I think it, I think it comes with the realization that if you pass or tie New Orleans, you're right around 500 anyways, and you're probably in the play-in as well. Yeah, no, that's true. That there's a... Uh... There's a two sides to every coin, and that's the side of the coin on the other side that you and you and Joe emphasize. So that's very important to remember. Uh, you know, I don't take that uh, that lightly. And, and besides, the, the point is, we started out two and ten, and last year they had a, a very similar start as well, and um, we ended up getting getting punked during the year. And now it looks like they are. So to me, that that's kind of what Joe says. It's like uh, just dessert, sort of. It's like karmic, karmic dessert. That uh, somehow they're like right here, yeah, right here. You know. And I can't wait. Like I said, I'm gonna enjoy that as well. Maybe not as much as you, gentlemen, but I will troll the hell out of the New Orleans Pelicans social media team because they are the biggest like if if memphis if the memphis grizzlies are the cockiest nba team then the new orleans pelicans social media has to be the cockiest social media team uh around so uh, i would just love serving them up this is rafael from nbadraftjunkies.com and you are listening to the lakers fast break Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. Uh, So you would watch The Tomorrow War before The Matrix? Yes. 
you forced me down, you, I was tied into a chair, and I had to watch one thing, I would say The Matrix Resurrections. Really? Funny. Yeah, because of all the cutscenes, I could remember what a good movie was like. <laughs> well played, sir. Well played. Yes, that's the only reason for the flashbacks, to remind you what a good Matrix movie was. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Catch our shows on Worldwide Radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. Joe, you see what's going on in the Western Conference standings. Yes, we will probably not have LeBron maybe for the rest of the season. I'm pretty much at this point in time since he's going to be reevaluated within three weeks probably what four or five weeks at best before he gets back onto a court if at all possible right now it's going to probably be without him for for the entire rest of the season for the rest of the 19 games that are now going to be played your thoughts on this with the western conference so crazy right now of course denver's at the top of it comfortable by five games over memphis sacramento seven games behind Phoenix in fourth place just got Kevin Durant with 10 ga- or 10 games back of Denver. But then you have that Golden State, L.A., Dallas, Minnesota, Utah, New Orleans, then the Lakers and Blazers, all in that mix. Your thoughts on where the Lakers could end up even without LeBron James? D'Angelo Russell has already been ruled out Yes, we heard Fri- for Friday's game, which means we're going to have to wait to see if AD is going to play. I'm, I'm going to assume he is going to play. And we're going to rough shot it again Friday. I, I was expecting D'Angelo to be back by this time, but it's it's a, it's a grind. It's becoming a grind, and it's becoming very, very fatiguing. LeBron is definitely out for the regular season. I, I have no doubt about it. I, I don't know what a tendon injury means. Would they say it's a tear if it was? You would Is think it, they'd be more up front, but... You but know. They, they did this stuff with AD when he got injured, and it sounds like there's lingering issues that they don't want to go into too much and then just see kind of how everything plays out and then go from there. I don't know. I don't know what... I, I, I'm try, trying to take it game by game at this point because that's the only thing we can do. And we... We have to win Friday because Minnesota's ahead of us. Portland losing last night was actually not a bad thing because we're battling for that playoff spot against them as well. So yesterday, other than our little thing with the Pelicans, uh, it actually was a, a, a wash. Either one went losing was good. And the Lakers have to just keep winning. So the, the whole the Lakers have to wait for other teams to lose, that's actually not necessarily true. Because most of the teams they're playing, the the last quarter of the of the season is teams that they need to beat that are ahead of them. So the Lakers just need to win. D'Angelo needs to get back though. This team desperately needs a floor general that's going to play with some control. Dennis Schroeder does it in spurts, but it's not for forty eight minutes during the game. Having D'Angelo would. Would uh, would definitely help that with Dennis kind of coming off the bench to to supplant him, and then of course we're hoping that AD can play the way he's been playing this last week when he plays, and then the other guys just kind of take turns on who's got the big game uh, that particular night. That's usually how it's supposed to play out. 
But the problem on Friday is it's Minnesota's kind of been a problem for us this last year or so. I would have liked to have had D'Angelo maybe with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. Uh, that always usually helps in these kind of games when they return back to who they you know, who they used to play for. And then <clears throat> AD playing against Cat uh, and Gobert and those guys, you know, I, I, I would I'd, I'd feel good with him going against them. Definitely uh, looking to see what kind of updates we can get for LeBron James and the tendon injury and what kind of update we can get on that. I'm hoping for better news in three weeks, but I, like Joe, I'm not counting on it. I'm not counting on it. Sean, you know, as we get into the thoughts of the Lakers possibly fielding a run, D'Angelo Russell will still be out with that sprained ankle, which again, it didn't seem like it was too serious. We, I thought the twisted ankle by Schroeder was more serious than what I saw from D'Angelo Russell. Uh, you know, as someone who sprained his ankle as well, Joe talked about it with his history with sprained ankles. I didn't think it was that bad, but obviously it's led to something more. Uh, hopefully we can get it back by Sunday's game. I don't know. At this point with D'Angelo Russell, is it a question of, you know, why is he not maybe gutting it out when the Lakers need him the most? You know what, Gerald? I think there's something to that. I think there's something to that because anatomically speaking, right, we, we're, we're all very similar in the sense that there's very little blood flow and vascular supply, you know, below the ankle. So, mm -hmm. so normally a sprained ankle unless it's a high sprain, right? Unless it's one of those high ankle sprains. Yeah. If it's on the low ebb, then yeah, I agree. It's about gutting it out. I think it's more about a pain tolerance yeah. more so more so than an actual like structural problem. So I agree with uh, yourself and Joe in that instance. I think it is uh, more of a sense of gutting it out and I you know, maybe, maybe his, you know, his body just doesn't respond to pain the way others do. You know, if, uh, you know, if uh, LeBron James is in a similar position, if the injuries were reversed, I'm sure he'd be playing. So I, I think with him, yes, it, it's just come down to, you know, his pain threshold is not as high as, uh, or average as uh, uh, uh uh, another player in a similar circumstance and you know we're just gonna have to live with that for now because we have no choice no we don't have much of a choice so i guess what we're seeing right now again it's a crazy western conference there joe something that we see where there's between fifth and 12th spot and you could even still count oklahoma city although after last night's loss i have a feeling that oklahoma city may be turning towards more towards the tank, a little bit more towards the tank. And so you might be seeing those hangnail injuries that they're out for like three weeks. That's coming up here in the not too distant future for OKC. But you have five through 12 within a close proximity still right now. They're all, all within three games of each other. So your thoughts, can the Lakers still squeeze into a playing spot? I'm going to go with a, get, a couple guesses here on what should happen. There's been a lot of talk with Damian Lillard about his loyalty to Portland, and it should be commended. The problem with his loyalty, uh, other than, you know, the loyalty part, <laughs> is it's very unlikely he's ever going to have a title team. 
or a legitimate title contending team. However, there's a quarter of a season left. And I'm curious if ownership isn't looking at their current situation and going, we probably have one more shot in getting someone for Dane that could give him a a chance to be a contender. And that would be to kind of tank and hope they get the first pick. You bring Victor Wimbayamba with Dame Lillard, you now give Dame Lillard a player that he has a chance at staying in Portland and possibly contending in the next two to three years. So that right there is something I thought about today, especially with the whole talk about how they kind of choked last night. I don't know necessarily why they use the word choke. Portland isn't anyone or doing anything other than Damian Lillard doing his thing. Uh, Oklahoma City has no incentive to win, even more so. They have assets up the yin-yang. Them getting Wenbenyama would be just as important. You got Shea there. You bring Victor in there. Now you you got something really, really building. Um, Scoot Henderson, anybody who gets the second pick from those two teams, I don't know if that would be redundant. So that's why getting that first pick for those two teams would be good. So I'm thinking Oklahoma City and Portland are the most likely teams to drop off from this. Now, New Orleans has a habit of losing four and five in a row. They've they've done that a few times this year. So I wouldn't be surprised if they lose four or five in a row again here before the season's over. So that could play in our favor. I don't think they're necessarily doing anything other than trying to win, but they just don't have enough, and Zion just can't stay healthy. Minnesota's definitely trying to win because if they don't, that whole Gobert trade gets worse and worse, and it's already in the in the crapper. Golden State, I, I think when Steph gets back, they're going to start thinking, hey, we can make a run here. So they're going to be playing hard to probably win. So the Lakers are battling, in my opinion, Portland, Oklahoma City, and the Pelicans. And there's there's a spot there. And I think that's that's essentially what's going to happen is you're going to find out who's going to win out on that, let's say, 10th spot between those, those four teams, including the Lakers. And uh, it'll come down to AD's availability in important games at this point. And then, of course, D'Angelo Russell playing – healthy because everyone else has a good set good setup in terms of what what what's needed to win but we we need a we need a point we need a point guard that can play and and, and kind of guide the team a little bit here um, especially against teams with good guard play once again it's the lakers fast break again we're discussing the wild and crazy western conference we've already given you an update on lebron's tendon injury sean again the task is not small when it concerns the Lakers trying to climb up into the Western Conference play-in or playoff mix. They are exactly two games out of a playoff spot, although Dallas is looking like it's going to win tonight because it's halfway through the fourth quarter and they're still up by 11 on Philadelphia. So it looks like they will actually be riding the ship at least a little bit. I know it's gotten off to a rocky start between that Luka Kyrie love fest, but you think the Lakers at least... I think at least, 
I was really after LeBron injury really down. And I thought there was absolutely no way that the Lakers are going to get in, but seeing how OKC has done the El Foldo act, seeing how Portland is, even despite Damian Lillard having the most efficient and probably the best year of his career, there still can't get enough people together on that team to help him out. There is a genuine possibility that one of those teams, Utah, New Orleans, one of those teams is going to drop out. Your thoughts on what, how far the Lakers can make it up the standings before the end of the season without LeBron James? Because I'm assuming, like Joe is, that LeBron James is out for the season at this point. Normally, the the term cannibalization is used to describe, you know, how how the Western Conference has been pretty much for the last 20 years. But this year was kind of different. It reminded me of a, like a crab in the bucket, like we're like Dallas or uh, uh, Golden State is trying to get to 500, but so is New Orleans and the Lakers, and they're pulling each other down just before somebody can actually go on a run here and win like seven or eight games in a row. You know, it's a vast contrast. The Bucks have won 15 games in a row, and they can't separate themselves from the Boston Celtics. Like, it, it's it's incredible how different the two conferences are right now. I will say this. I think that from what I've seen, saw with Phoenix earlier with KD, I just think it's a matter of time. Four out of their five starters, that's a championship-level team. Uh, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, DeAndre Ayton, and then maybe if you added in uh, Joshua Koji or somebody else to, to fill that, uh, that spot. Memphis is basically playing above their head. I think they're probably going to end up, you know, as a – fifth or sixth seed like you said Gerald the Clippers are right there too but they they can't you know we we know the story with them yeah I I just look if we get in the plane we're probably gonna likely be in the in the eighth spot so to me I'm thinking you know can the Lakers really take Denver even with LeBron James coming off that injury and I don't think so I I don't think so. I think Denver is for real. I think I think Denver and Phoenix right now are the two front runners in the West. I would give that slight pole position to Denver, only because of of the the season up until this point. We still have to see what Phoenix does, but you know, for the most part, I think you know you're going to find the veteran the the veteran squads are going to be there in the end, and I think these young squads and the Clippers are going to end up being the the odd teams out. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Hey, Lakers fans. Looking for the best place to go for up-to-date news, information, original videos, articles, podcasts, opinion pieces, and discussions about the Los Angeles Lakers, well, look no further than Lakerholics.com. With a legion of followers always there talking about everything Lakers and the NBA, there's no better place to go to share your fandom as the team heads toward another championship run. So stop by and be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com. Once again, it's the Lakers fast break. We're talking some NBA observations. Guys, before we head on out, this is the fun part of the show. Today is the anniversary 
of one of the most spectacular records in any sports medium. It is Wilt Chamberlain's 100-point game that he had 61 years ago today as we celebrate the 61st anniversary of it. My question to you, and I'll start off with you, Joe, with the league, the way it's set out right now, so many big scoring games we've seen as of late, 50, 60, 70 point games have been not necessarily abnormal. We've actually seen them on an every week basis. Your thoughts on this, will anyone ever approach or surpass not only Wilt's 100 point game, but obviously when it concerns us Laker fans as well, the fantastic Kobe 81 point game. I don't think anyone will get close to 100. Kobe could have in today's NBA, and he was a little bit of the front runner of this kind of high-volume type offense. I can only imagine those 40-point games for nine straight games. They they could have been 50 now with the amount of activity that's going on. 81. A uh, little tick in my head said yes a long time ago when Clay hit, what was it? It was so efficient. It was on a low number of shots and also yeah. a low number of dribbles, like like under 10 dribbles. I yeah, think. It was, yeah, it was crazy. That's a different kind of zone because he's not missing shots and he's not taking shots. Most of his shots are from far away. He had 60 points in 29 minutes. Yes. So he had 60 points in 29 minutes. Had that game been, and we could have said this in the the, the, the Dallas game, uh, where, Co- where Kobe uh, scored 62 points in three quarters, while Dallas scored 61. Had the Lakers not been ahead in that game, or at least close, I have no doubt Kobe would have ended up with 90 that night. He would have had 90. That was probably better than his 81 game. In today's NBA, the way that double overtime game versus Sacramento and the Clippers went, could be. You could see a player hit 18, 23 pointers. Let's say Dame. Dame scored 71 recently. I could see Damian Lillard hit 80. Absolutely. 100, it's just too far. It's just too far. Uh, a lot of things would have to go your way. I'm talking, uh, again, uh, the, the team you're playing is competitive and you're hitting three-point shots like they're layups. I'm talking you hit 10 three-pointers in the first quarter type thing. So you're you're already at 30 points in quarter one. And then you hit 20 in quarter two, 20 in quarter three. Now you're sitting at 70 points. And if the game is close, now you're getting now you can probably get to that 80 pretty 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 easily. 100 is too hard. Only one guy, I think there's only one guy that I think that that, that could have done it, and that was Kobe Bryant. Uh, Michael Jordan, as great as he was, Michael Jordan's ability to get to the to the baskets what was what made him unreal. His mid range game is great, but Kobe had that extra point at the, at the three when he was on. Not a lot of people remember this, but he actually had the three-point record in, in a single game. It was 12, and I remember that game. He was playing against Seattle. He, he wasn't missing from three. It was nuts, and Kobe's not even a three-point shooter. And then um, I think Steph broke it, and then Clay broke it after that. I think Clay has 14. Their new record's 14, I think, in one game now. So, yeah, it's uh, 80. I can see someone possibly hitting 80. 100, no. 
100 is just too far. Sean, any last thoughts on this? Because I have a feeling someone could do the 81. Somebody probably will do the 81 and surpass Kobe's. The 100, like you said, Joe, would probably be too far away. And plus, by that time, I have a feeling that who's ever on the other side will probably just not get want to get embarrassed enough to the point where it gets to 100. Your thoughts on this before we head on out, my friend? Yes, I agree, Gerald. I think more than 81 is possible. Never say never with a 100-point game, but like Joe was saying, certain things have to go your way. For his career, Wilt was a 50% free-throw shooter. During his 100-point game, he was, through three quarters, he was 21 of 22 from the free-throw line. It was the absolutely best game he ever had from the free throw line he finished 28 of 32 from the line that's that's almost 90 percent so it was an incredible game there's a lot of myths surrounding it more so than than facts he broke the the record in front of what was supposed to be a a capacity of 4,000 people only 2,400 showed up he had 89 points with about five minutes left and New York did everything possible to try and prevent him from, from getting the record. Uh, they were fouling anybody with the ball except Wilt. Another interesting fact toy drill is that no member of the New York media was there that night to witness this performance. There's no record of it as far as uh, visuals. They didn't record it. The only record they really have was a recording that they found in the late 80s of the fourth quarter. So there is proof that he did accomplish a 100-point game. Only three living players from that team, Gerald, on the Philadelphia Warriors are left. And one of them is the eldest, Al Adels. So as long as, as long as those three men are alive, they were live witnesses to a 100-point game. It actually happened. It did take place. Oh, I know. There's enough people in the audience. You said it wasn't a full house, but there's enough people out of that 2,000. Similar what with, let's say, the Victor Scoot matchup earlier this year. We only had about two, 3,000 people in the building, but there's enough people there that can verify that that actually a game took place, even if it wasn't on television. Same thing goes for this. There was... There were news reporters. There were there were local reporters. Obviously, the gentleman who took the photograph that you're seeing behind us in the background, the famous Wilt 100 photograph. There's enough proof that that it's there, even if you didn't have the audio recording to back it up. There, there's too much. I mean, when you have over 10 people there, you've got enough people to go ahead and verify that it was actually something special that they watched. Absolutely, 100%. And for the record, Wilt said in his autobiography that the 100-point game wasn't the best game he, he had as a pro. He said that the best game he ever had as a pro was when he, again, shattered an NBA record by collecting 55 rebounds in a game against the Boston Celtics. And what was much sweeter to Wilt more so than the 100-point game, was that he got 55 rebounds against Bill Russell. I can imagine that was probably very uh, a good moment for him indeed. Joe, uh, I mean, I think it just goes to what we seemingly forget about Wilt Chamberlain and where he lies in the pantheon of greats.
people seem to pass his name on by when it comes to some of the greatest who have ever played the game, which I think that people need to recognize that he is one of the greatest and most dominant big men in any era to ever play the game of basketball. Yeah, the dominance in terms of uh, individual prowess, no doubt. The issue is with Will Chamberlain and his and him not being Babe Ruth, basically. I think the only player in, in Major League Baseball history that's somewhat somewhat rivaled Babe Ruth after what will be 80 years now is Barry Bonds, but his obviously was tainted due to the allegations of performance-enhancing drugs. Will Chamberlain could have been number one all-time without an argument, really, unless Jordan is involved, of course. But the problem with Wilt is he went two and four in the finals. There was too much negativity around those finals losses. He lost at Kansas in the title game. He lost four championships. If you're the most dominant player and you have guys like Elgin Baylor and Jerry West on your team and you know if you want to if you want to put it on the Celtics being stacked with eight Hall of Famers, okay, I'll give you those ones. But I don't think the Lakers had any reason to lose in 1970 and in 1973. Wilt was still getting 21 rebounds in 1972. So if Wilt wins in 1970 and 1973, let's say that drastically changes the argument of who the greatest player is. Definitely who the greatest big man is. Because now you're looking at Wilt as a four-time champion instead of a two-time champion. Those things matter in, in sports. It matters in basketball especially. And the reason why Michael Jordan is number one all time is because he never came up lame when it mattered. Yes, we know he didn't win a championship every year in the league. But if you look at the time he played, if you want to count the Washington Wizard years, fine, but I don't. I'm counting the 13 years he played as a Chicago Bull. He racked up way too much product productivity in those years. Six championships and six tries, six NBA Finals MVPs, 10 scoring titles, Defensive Player of the Year, MVPs up the yin-yang. So Wilt had all the records. His... Timing was it will always be an issue because the competition at that time wasn't as vast as it is, let's say, in the last 40 years. But I don't you can't control that. He dominated when he dominated. It's like saying Serena Williams didn't have anybody to compete with during her reign. Well, there's some truth to that, but it's it's the modern game. I mean, maybe she was that good. So Will Chamberlain in my book should have went. Six and zero, as dominant as he was, and he didn't. He actually didn't really play very well in big games. So, for him to be the greatest ever, mm, he's got a lot of Peyton Manning in him. Great at numbers, great at being great, but it's a little tainted because he came up lame way too many times in big games. Once again, it's the Lakers fast break. It's NBA observations. Want to thank you so much for watching and listening. Tomorrow, you could go ahead and check out and start your morning with an awesome way. There's no better to start your Friday mornings than with the magic man in the morning.
thing right there for you at the Lakers Fast Break on YouTube. Sean, what you got cooking literally for us here at Magic Man in the Morning tomorrow morning? Well, you know what, Gerald, as it happens, we it's game day. So uh, I think uh, me and Joe are going to do a little mini preview of the game. So uh, Lakers fans do not have to go anywhere else to get their information tomorrow, except for the Lakers fast break and Magic Man in the morning. And we're also going to have a deep dive into dinner for breakfast. Absolutely. Nice. All right. I'm glad you guys are going to have that great discussion. I'm still waiting for a return to the deep dive of you-know-who. Yes. He who shall not be named. He who shall not be. But let's wait until it's more timely. I want to wait until it's more timely that we can return it. I tried for hours looking for that deep dive. I know it's there in the archives of playback. I can't find it. I'm so mad because I can't uh, find it. I was thinking it might it might have been when I was by myself doing the Blazers game where we came back down 26 at half. I think that might have been it where I was by myself. I will go ahead and have to check that out. But yes, I'd rather we'll just you know what? Let's just wait until something happens with yes. that individual and Jeannie Bus, and we'll just go ahead and do a deep dive into Jay Moore at some point in time. And we will be on at 7.30 Pacific Standard Time. Yes. 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 Will you be awake, Joe, at 7.30 p.m.? Well, I have to leave shortly after the show. So, uh, yes, I will be awake. Okay. Fair enough. I may not be awake, but I will, I will <laughs> make sure that at least I have it on watching you guys, whether or not I will be awake to see it. We'll see. But once again, it's the Lakers fast break. A lot of people are catching it on replay. And of course, a lot of people actually caught it on audio. I was very surprised that there was support that you got on audio and cannot thank you enough for everyone who listens and watches the show. And again, thank you so much to the 500 subscribers. We have hit that magical mark on YouTube. Joe called it, said it would be this week, and it was the case. All because of you. We truly appreciate it. You enjoy what we do. And if you have not yet subscribed, please do so so you get the latest notifications from when we go live on the air tomorrow morning for Magic Man in the morning. And also as well tomorrow night, playback.tv slash Lakers Fast Break and the best post game anywhere with the best chat room anywhere right here. Well, the sound of sizzling bacon should wake Gerald up. You never know. It might find out tomorrow morning right here at the Lakers Fast.